All right, welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. Uh, I am your host, Matt. And I'm Ash. We have a special guest tonight. Aaron is back! Yay! It's me! <laughs> <laughs> In honor of Nintendo. Yeah. Good to see you. <laughs> it's been like a year, yeah. my friend. How are you? I think it's been Good. a year. And actually, I don't think, I think we did this at the beginning of quarantine. So saying yeah. it's been a year is appropriate. Yeah, that's right. It has felt <laughs> like a year. I think it's been a year since we've actually seen you in person, though, because it was like yeah. last oh. PAX West, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't go to PAX East, and I, I didn't either. So it was PAX East was a the last con, the last great con before the collapse. Oh no, this is yeah. off topic, and you can delete it. No, if no, you please. Want to. But there was a Washington Post article that came out that was like. Boston was like an epicenter for spreading in the very beginning of the coronavirus because of a convention. And I was like, what? And I clicked it. And it was a different convention, a medical oh. convention. What? But it ended a medical the convention. Same, yes. It ended the same day that uh, PAX East began. So all these people no. have infected the staff of, you know, downtown Boston. Oh, yeah. I'm sure then, it was an epicenter. I have pictures oh, of just how crowded it was and how miserable it was because it was like snowing and, and just nasty. I I'm, I guarantee there's probably thousands of people that got it <laughs> at the convention crazy. center. Because it was March. What was it? The first weekend of March? Or? Yeah. The yeah. End, of, end of February. End of February. It was like the 20, 28th or something. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember I went coincid I didn't go coincidentally because I had a trip to California planned and we ended up I got not Corona sick but like a different kind of sickness and we ended up bailing on the California trip and then I didn't go to PAX because I was like you know I've got this other trip I think it and this is the first one I'm gonna miss I didn't really you know wasn't enthused after West or whatever and then all of this happened and I was like well <laughs> thank God I guess <laughs> so I didn't that jam into a convention <laughs> center yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a poor life uh, decision. Never again. <laughs> I just don't ever see going to a convention the same way ever. Again. Yeah. You know, I, we talking keep talking about, about this. Yeah. I don't think it's ever going to yeah. be the same again. I don't think. No. It's I mean, interesting. We used to joke about getting the PAX plague and it's like, that's not yeah. a joke anymore. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's no. a very real plague. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's a very real thing and it's not funny anymore. And <laughs> yeah. No. And I, I can't see 80,000 people shoulder to shoulder just like rubbing, you know, rubbing. I mean, like, but the reality is like everything. to be positive for a brief moment, to be, to <laughs> not play into my stereotype and to be positive for a brief moment, uh, they will, we will eventually have. Uh, not just like a vaccine, which, you know, whatever, but we'll have treatments for this. We will have multiple ways of handling it. It yeah. will eventually over years start to come back to a point where we can go to large gatherings and not feel like we're in imminent peril by putting ourselves there. Yeah. So it will happen, Absolutely. but it's going to be so slow. I do agree. Like I keep talking about that. I'm like, even if Comic-Con, an event that we have literally never missed for however oh, long, man. you know, like over a decade, yeah. Ash for longer, like if it comes back next year, if, if like everything somewhat is resetting and they're like, we're going to do it. There's a solid chance that I'm like, not me. Yeah. <laughs> like, enjoy really yourselves, <laughs> everybody. Yeah. 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 I might just go to well, the mountains I think and even run around. <laughs> oh, that's, that sounds like a great, yeah. And yeah. read comics. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That's your comic con. Um, yeah. I think in what you were saying, Matt, absolutely. I agree. But there's also, I feel like, 
I'm just more aware now. It's the it's the, yeah. the fact that we knew that we were swapping germs, you know, <laughs> by touch and by air. Yeah. But now we're so hyper aware of it that even just like knowing I'm in a generally healthy crowd of people, I'm just so aware of how much crap I'm inhaling and yeah. touching and putting in my mouth. I feel like it's just like, at least for our generation, you know, like people who were working through this, we're, yeah. it's going to stick with us for a while. Yeah. 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 I think so too. I think so. I mean, even like, we're, we're going to stick on this forever. Sorry. Even like work, <laughs> like we found out in my office, there was a, a positive case, like the week that we all left to go remote in March. Like we found out that week that there was a positive case, like two weeks later, and uh it wasn't anybody i came in like regular contact with but then you just think about how nonchalantly you use your office like how nonchalantly you're just touching things and walking around and doing stuff and like not thinking about how many other people are like coming in contact with that same space at any point in time yeah the idea of using a public restroom right now to me is like terror zone (laughs) i'd rather be chased through the woods by a guy with like a machete than like use an airport bathroom (laughs) i did oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> we did do we had like i took a day off the other the other day this week and we went out we just went to like the dog park and then the playground with holiday we were just hanging out outside and uh a burger joint that we like up here is has like a lot of outdoor seating and we're like you know we haven't done this yet we're gonna have a normal like restaurant lunch where we just sit at it and there was nobody there it was like 2 p.m in the afternoon so we sat down we had it and i had to use the bathroom and i had that same thought i was like well, doing this, like, <laughs> I have no alternatives in oh, this scenario. Man. Gonna go use the public bathroom. But it's like, I mean, it was a restaurant bathroom, and it was definitely clean, and, like, what are you gonna do? But Yeah, what are you gonna very, do? It's, it's weird. It's all, you think about it more, I guess. You're right, yeah. Aaron. It's just, like, yeah. it's just on your mind now, as opposed to something you would just do without thinking about it at all mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No fun. So yeah, music this week was generously donated to us by the fine folks at Two Minutes to Late Night. Uh, Two Minutes to Late Night is doing a new cover song every week, which started at the beginning of the whole coronavirus outbreak. They have some of the most unbelievably fantastic metal covers I have ever heard in my entire life. Um, they're doing it with the help of Patreon, and all the money goes to their guest artists and through their audio engineers and to their video editors and it is a, a very rough time for musicians so if you want to head on over to honorableswords.com you can help out all the musicians that you hear uh during our breaks and during our bumpers and uh yeah huge thanks to them it is, it's actually a huge honor to be able to feature some of their music on the show they're yeah. a really cool uh i don't know how, like uh it's a late night it's a late night show with air quotes around it that they do at a bar here in brooklyn called saint vitus and saint vitus is uh, just the coolest place in the world. Like it's if for Ash will know this, but it's Will's Pub in in New York for me. It, it is very much a cool little punk rock bar. It's where Dave Grohl did the Nirvana reunion and all this stuff. But it's like a 200 capacity club. It's tiny, so uh, it's a really awesome place. They do a really awesome show. They have a huge YouTube series of all their shows that they've done, so you can go watch old Two Minutes to Late Night. And then the music stuff that they're doing right now with a bunch of artists and raising money for other artists is really, really awesome. And there's tons of them out there. I don't know how many songs we're gonna play tonight, but they have done like yeah a lot so far yeah. over this yeah. over this pandemic. Yeah, so. it's crazy. It's like members of like. Mastodon, Primus, Tool, Cody and Cambria, Poison the Well, Sleigh Bells, all of these sort of like they form super groups every Monday and release a new musical track uh, edited as a video. And uh, 
it is it is really stellar stuff so uh, we'll have links to honorablesorts.com where you can donate and check out the music and of course links to uh, all the tracks as well so big thanks to the guys from two minutes to late night for the music awesome yay hooray uh news this week we're going to be talking about what aaron has been doing so (laughs) that's our big news item that's it aaron what have you been doing yeah stuff stuff We have boring stuff. Aaron has exciting stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, tragic demise of Chadwick Boseman and, of course, uh, some other stuff in the news, too, including Marvel Comics Silk coming to television. And in reviews, are we going to talk about Bill and Ted again? I don't know if yeah, we are. Yeah, hell yeah, we are. Oh, good. Aaron and I watched it. Yay! Aaron, did you watch it, Aaron? That's right. Sorry. Yeah, I we did, watched I did. it, and I want to talk about it. Oh, good. So we'll do a spoiler yeah. review this time of Bill and Ted. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll spoil la- it. Let's last week was yeah, spoiler-free, so this week we'll do, do the spoiler review. Uh, I will talk about Wasteland 3, which I just started. I have like maybe two hours in, but I have some good reports on Wasteland 3. Uh, I also checked out a show on Netflix called Teenage Bounty Hunters, which has an unfortunate name, which is uh, it is a fantastic show. So I'll talk <laughs> right. about that unfortunate name. Great show. And Aaron's going to talk about Spirit Fair, which Yay! is a, a, a awesome. game about uh, helping animals get to the afterlife, I think. <laughs> is that what it yeah, is? I mean, helping people. Yeah, it's essentially their their spirits take form in as animals and that's how you see them. <laughs> okay, I'll discuss more. We get we'll there, discuss it later. That, so- that sounds fantastic. Let's Ash, take- stop pushing the reviews right now. I know. Let's do it. Let's um, take a quick break, listen to some music, and come back and do some news. some news we're gonna talk about aaron hi aaron that's why i'm here to talk about me <laughs> no you posted yeah. something the other day you had uh four games that you acted in come out i think on the same day same week same, same week, week. Same week. Same yeah. week which is crazy because you were you were joking that, that that doesn't happen it doesn't uh, yeah so but tell, tell you also said something really well you also said something really interesting that I'd, I'd like to touch on if we can which is that with everything going on you actually lost track sort of of what the release <laughs> dates were not that you lost track but that things yeah. were shifting around so much like in real time that you didn't really know that all four of these were hitting this week and it kind of yeah. surprised you when you found it all out <laughs> yes yeah it's a multi-parter <laughs> that goes into the reasoning behind that the the first being I don't always know the actual names of games when I write them. Um, Sometimes the character name that they give me is wrong. And so like when I look, when I watch the game or play the game and look for myself, like my, my character's name never appears, but then I hear my (laughs) voice coming out of something else. So I don't, I can't always confirm that I'm in it. And I do like to confirm that I'm still the voice before I share that information because that happens. Um, 
but also, you know, especially I, I have a personal spreadsheet where I like every time I have a gig, I log what I think the game is or describe <laughs> the game and describe the character. <laughs> and then I just try to follow the release date. Um, and, I, you know, a couple of these had their release dates pushed because of COVID. And so it's kind of been very vague, like coming soon or coming summer. Yeah. And um, it's not like I have Google alerts or anything. So I'm just kind of like once in a while looking them up. Um, and this just happened to land where I was like, oh my God, all f- four of these came out in a, within a week of each other, which is yeah. crazy. Cause some of them were one session a couple months ago and other ones were like a year and a half of work. So it's, it's crazy that that all like kind of aligned. Um, but yeah, super exciting. I, I, it was really exciting. Yeah. It was nice to, to finally have something come out because <laughs> it's been kind of a dry couple of months where yeah. I'm, I'm doing the work but i'm not seeing it in the world and so this right. was, this was nice that's right. awesome how has the yeah you said it's been a little dry has the the cadence of like how much you record and when you record has that changed a lot or now that you're like no one's really going out to studios to record is it has it been weird um working in industry to sort of pivot and change how you do everything it, it, it definitely had a learning curve, but I think that's true for everyone throughout the process where yeah. when we first started, um, I was lucky to already have a booth at home. So I was ready to immediately pivot to recording from home. But there are tons of actors, especially in L.A., who just would go into their agency to record auditions. Mm-hmm. So suddenly they were like unable to do their career because they couldn't go into their agency anymore so for actors that was kind of a big thing but also you know like devs weren't sure if they wanted to go through the process of recording vo of trying to either you know work directly with actors or hire a studio to be the middleman it's just it's a lot of work to consider and then also studios were also trying to figure out do actors have good enough you know gear to be doing this and because you're not all going into the same studio on the same mic there's so much more work for the engineer to do to make it sound like all of us with our respective setups and our respective, you know, environments that we're recording and to make it sound like we all recorded in the same place. I didn't on the even same think gear. about the different mics. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's, that's it really sucks challenging. for them. So, so yeah, so there, it started slow where there's a lot of like, can we wait this out? So I would say like the first month we were getting a lot of auditions for, for those commercials that you hate that are the like, we'll be back. We're with you. <laughs> We right. believe in our hero, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, then, then there came a point where everyone was like, "Okay, whatever." Like people want games right now. Like we need to continue to to do this. And like animation was just like, "This is our time." So yeah. everything kind of ramped back up. Um, and and I was really lucky that I I, I feel like I've been working pretty consistently. Um, well, that's which, awesome. You know, in COVID times is crazy, and also just as an actor, that's great. So I I've been. I've been pretty happy and thankful for all It's awesome. That. In your sweaty booth all the time doing yeah. what you got to oh, do. Oh, man. In a heat wave, no less. Yeah, it's it's like 100 and something oh, no. today, tomorrow, and in the weekend, which I was telling Ash, my booth just kind of sits at 80 degrees right oh. now because my house is never cold enough to cool it off. Yeah. So, um, yeah, being in here is, um, it's it's like, it's a workout and um, a career all in one. <laughs> there you go. Get your own sauna. Yeah. It's like the extra perk of the job. Uh, mm, let's talk about a couple of these noise. games that you're in. So I remember <laughs> the Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles uh, playing it on GameCube <laughs> a long time ago. So this is uh, the the remaster of that, correct? Of Crystal Chronicles? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and I voice Beldat, 
who is Baldat's sister. Ah. Um, who I don't actually know if you encounter her on in the story, but she's someone who you can find her <laughs> crystal, her uh, <laughs> essence of. <laughs> yeah. And, and wow, you just that... named every Final Fantasy game. There's I was a gonna crystal, say God Final Fantasy. There's some essence stuff floating around. <laughs> just nailed it. Who you knows? just kind of you take it and it will transform your playable character into her. Oh, okay. Um, so, so that it's was been a very long time. I remember the original on GameCube had some gimmick where you could plug in a DS. Oh as, yeah, you remember that? <laughs> yes, it was the coolest thing, and like no games ever did that. It was one of the only. There games were like a few games because I had a DS and Scott had the Cube, and we lived together at the time. Yeah, and we did a couple things like that, but I forgot that Final Fantasy did it as well. Yeah, and you could like I, I forget if one player could control. I don't know, some yeah. sort of avatar on screen, but that was a cool, a cool thing they did. That must have been like in 2001 or something. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Ridiculous like yeah. that. But that's cool. And uh, so Wasteland 3, you're yeah. in Wasteland 3, and that's one of the reasons why I uh, I picked it up. Not, not knowing a whole lot about Wasteland. And then I did a little research on Wasteland, which I'll talk about in the review section. But holy cow, what a fun game. What a crazy experience. Yeah. So that was one I, I have worked on for, for like over a year um, just on and off, uh, where it got to the point where my last session that I was in there, because I'm just doing various people who exist, like filling the environment basically. And like right. boss fights and stuff like that. Um, by I my think last I session, may have I heard like, you already. I think I'm in the beginning. Yeah. I'm a I heard dorsey you something. Yeah. Yeah. I heard oh. you're a country person. <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you give us some Dorsey? <laughs> oh yeah. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> I totally did hear you. That was yeah. it. I was like, that might have been Aaron doing a country accent. How brilliant. I love oh, it. I love it. Uh, yeah. I love so the conceit and I... sorry, keep going. <laughs> no, you keep going. I'm laughing too hard. Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to say in terms of the accents, it was really fun because they're saying within this universe that the idea is accent, regional accents are real. Everyone learned accents from like watching movies and like they're all adopted they're all like put upon to represent yourself however you want to oh which i thought was really cool and fascinating yeah it's like it's very like 1930s hollywood or whatever whatever that weird accent out of hollywood in the mid-atlantic yeah the totally non-existent thing like a non-accent that they just made up (laughs) yeah yeah the hepburn yeah wild (laughs) But yeah, so, so I, I eventually recorded so much of that that they were like, you can't come back because you, you're you in every level of this game. So we have no <laughs> to put you. And I was like, okay. I'll think of that <laughs> while I'm, uh, I'm blowing away Wastelanders. Like, there was Aaron again, <laughs> screaming at me with some strange <laughs> accent. Yeah, I totally did hear you. I yep. just played it like two hours before I recorded this. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that was Aaron. Uh, good stuff. What is uh, Helheim Hassel? I actually have not heard of this. I've heard of all the rest, but. So it's made by a developer, uh, uh, Perfectly Paranormal, who previously made uh, Manual Samuel, and they enjoy making games that are very much about like s- playing with controls of your of your character with like the limbs. So th- it's just <laughs> unique how you control. Like in this one specifically, you die, and basically are like traversing through hell trying to. <laughs> solve puzzles and and with it your body your limbs just attach so there are certain things that you can only get to with just your arm or there's certain things where like you have to toss you have to like slingshot your head somewhere and roll it over you know 
it's very weird and fun and <laughs> and the comedy within the game it was so much fun to record really um i'm i think three or four characters in that um all all very goofy and it's a good time that's awesome yeah. super exciting well everyone keep it keep an ear out for aaron in those games um i always love hearing you and stuff so i can't wait to see Aww. what all your secret projects are to keep us in the <laughs> loop too. i know it's like keep keep your spreadsheet we all, out <laughs> we're all excited to find out the yeah. week of what all yeah. your secret projects are. i know when they oh. tell you what what you're actually in oh you yeah. know you're in that <laughs> sometimes it just shows remember up you kept MVP. saying remember you kept oh. saying god damn it batman and then like that's that's you you're a cat woman in that that makes sense uh let's talk about something uh which is obviously super difficult to talk about and very somber but uh chadwick boseman's passing kind of uh, out of the blue yeah um i mean i feel like this has been touched on so many times uh, you know by the media and, and different pop culture sites but i felt like you know since we talk about so much mcu stuff and and uh and that we've been talking about this stuff since really the mcu started that we kind of should touch on this and just the you know the the cultural impact of this and also the the cinematic impact of this um I kind of want to ask you guys, what was your first reaction? Like, what were you doing when you heard this? And I'll tell mine real quick. I was, it was like two in the morning and I got up to go to the bathroom. And I just remember I was like going to the bathroom and looking through Instagram, which is something you should never do because you'll drop your phone in the toilet. But um, I was, and I started seeing just, just pictures of his face on Instagram. I was like, you know, doom scrolling, just turbo scrolling their Instagram. And I was like, why are there all these pictures of Chadwick Boseman on Instagram? And um, I think it was one of Brie Larson's posts that I finally mm. like stopped and looked at and I was absolutely floored. And the next thing I did was like, well, holy shit, like, how did he die? I was like, God, I hope it wasn't something that was like racially motivated. I hope like, cause everything going on in our country right now is like, God, did something, somebody do something to Chadwick Boseman, which would have just been, I mean, it's awful already, but it would have been unbelievably awful if somebody hurt him, you know? So, um, you know, then I sat down like in the middle of the night and just started like, trying to read about what happened and then when i found out it was cancer i was like holy cow like how how did he have cancer i was like he like yeah. i feel like i had just seen him healthy and yeah. it actually had been a while since i'd seen him healthy uh he hadn't really done any interviews and stuff since like maybe march um when all this stuff started and i don't think he had really been in public since then either uh but i just remember i i was shocked i don't think i slept for a couple hours uh and you know it's not somebody i i know it in my my real life at all but still it's like i i am fully aware of the the cultural impact he had as an actor on the world like you know black panther changed cinema forever just with with how it it, it inspired so many people all around the world with um you know with with his performance and, and what really the, what Black Panther represented. So it was really just odd to see, you know, and, and jarring to see him pass so young. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I was awake when it was announced and, and currently doom scrolling Twitter at the same time. So I saw it and was just kind of like, what? Like I saw the tweet that I think his account put out from his family. Um, and uh yeah i don't know i mean i don't know what to really add to that it's it's a it's a guy who was taken too young i think he was 43 and yeah. and uh struggling through 
that disease while still filming everything is, I think, um, you know, not only heartbreaking, but like a giant statement on, on how this country and many of our industries work. And it's too bad that, that, I mean, it's, it's just hard to say, you know, it's like, it's too bad that both he seemed to have to struggle with that, you know, hopefully with family. And then also that like, you know, I, I don't know. There's like two sides to it. There's the sadness that he had to struggle through it, but also like the work that he created was so important, I think, to so many people and to such like a, a large impact on not just this generation, but generations, you know, to come of what that movie specifically. And then a lot of the other things he's been in, he's been just an iconic character, not character, an iconic actor able to take on roles that are, I think, difficult to do of, of other people. But Black Panther was huge and uh at this point all i can do is hope that disney and marvel honor his position and i think the saddest part to me is that it was pretty clear that the mcu was getting focused around him as a character at this point that black panther was likely to be a huge character for the rest of the movies that were were coming out in the next probably 10 years and you know it's it's huge i don't know it's it's very it's sad. It's, I think it hits, you know, it hits everybody. I'm saying, you know, a lot, it hits a lot of different people differently. I think for Ash, you and I, it's a guy who was the same age that we are, who, Mm -hmm. you know, got taken by a disease. That is, I think one of the worst things that's happened in, in humanity, which is cancer is like such a plague upon us. As far as like, there's not much you can do to prevent it. There's not much you can do to deal with it. All you can do is try to be proactive and and make sure that you're getting checked and handling it the way you are. And there's a lot of things to say about our healthcare industry and everything else around that. But the short of it is that, you know, I'm glad at least in the time that he was here, he was able to bring the impact that he was. And it's been amazing to see all the tribute images and videos of, of little kids setting up their black Panther dolls and little kids, you know, like doing the Wakanda forever and, and, and just, you know, marking him as being a figure in their life that impacted them in a, in a positive way. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I was trying to think because it was something that when I saw the news kind of just stopped me in a way that m- most celebrity deaths do not. And mm-hmm. it took me a while to figure out why. Because it's not like I've seen all of his movies, um, but I, you know what I had seen, I I completely adored, um, and and I was thinking I hadn't felt that way since Robin Williams died. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. I think it's just something um, about feeling like this was a person that you were just thankful existed and was doing work that you felt was important. And I felt like every time I saw him in something or even just in interviews, he felt like someone I wanted to be around that I admired that had this like effortless poise and grace and, and calmness that I was just glad existed in Hollywood and was Mm -hmm. being represented to audiences everywhere. Um, And feeling like that kind of, kindness and responsibility that he took upon himself and and was generous with what is rare in hollywood Mm -hmm. and so i think when when that disappears it it hits really hard um 
Yeah. That was a tough one. No, yeah, yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. And I think, you know, I think all actors uh, that love their craft, they can only really wish and hope to, um, to impact people with their performances. Right. And, and the fact of the matter is like, he knew in his last days that he impacted millions of people around the world with what he did. So, yeah. I mean, hopefully, you know, hopefully he, um, hopefully he knew that, you know, Hopefully he knew that shifting gears really quick and not to make this like insensitive MCU talk, but what do you think is the correct response no. to his death? <laughs> read it there. I was like, no, what do wow, you think? The, what do you think the correct response is to his death with, uh, with black Panther? Because Ryan Coogler said that he's, you know, he had already really written or mm-hmm. at least helped write yeah. black Panther too. Um, yeah. What do you think that the right thing to do um, is at this point? in the MCU and, and with the, the character of Black Panther. I mean, to me, it's it's to lay back into the source material. It's not as if comic book characters don't get replaced in comic books. Like, they, they do die and different people take the mantle up and or, or they don't die, but different people take the mantle up one, one way or the other. I think that there's enough source material, source material there to back into that, to start looking at how to move forward. I think, you know, I, I can't picture them doing this, but I think trying to re- just replace him and have everybody pretend that it's just a new person now is, is probably not the right path. And I think it would get taken pretty poorly and I don't think they would do that anyways, but I think there's plenty of ways to honor uh, him as a person, him as an actor and the character that he created um, and, and still move forward with the, with the story move forward with the the character in general you know the character of black panther not necessarily of, of t'challa so I, I think it's doable i think you i think like to me what made the mcu amazing compared to some of the comic book movies in the past is that it has always laid pretty deep in the source material even if it's not like straight from one storyline they tend to lay pretty heavily into like a few storylines, mix them together and make a movie out of it. And that's, what's always been great is that you can know that it's coming from these decades of, of storytelling. So there's enough there with black Panther for sure. I, I think that doing that is probably the best way to, to honor the character in general and move forward at the same yeah. time. Yeah. I agree that uh, recasting and, and pretending like nothing's <laughs> changed is really unacceptable. Yeah. yeah. Um, or like hologramming I, him, like please, dear God, do not Jesus, hologram him into no, a movie. Do not do a, a Princess Leia yeah. garbage. Yeah, I and I and you, it's not like they didn't have a movie with multiple strong allies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there are three women that you could immediately mm-hmm. just you know right. elevate up into uh, a role. And I, you know, I, when I think about when unexpected um, actor deaths happen, like in the middle of a TV show or something. I I feel that the most responsible way to address it is to have that character to acknowledge the character's death mm-hmm. within the piece, which maybe that's controversial within the MCU. I don't know enough about the source material to to know what it would mean to have T'Challa, you know, die in, in right. an MCU film. But it just shows respect to the fact that that character belonged to that actor. It doesn't exist without them at least yeah. not in the world that you've created. If there's a reboot of the Black Panther franchise, God forbid, yeah. I would hate to be the actor who has to, you know, <laughs> right, right. 
you know, bring something fresh to that, that would suck. But within the universe we have now, I don't think there's an option to just be like, ah, oh, he's away, you know, like that's yeah, not right. yeah. enough. And, and to be clear, I don't mean like go to the source material and just pick a new actor to move into that role. I'm, I mostly mean that like it already, th- this turnover of characters within the fictional narrative exists so it's not as if we can't pull from storylines and figure out how to move forward with whoever it is you know from from the story and and i think marvel has tended to handle these things pretty gracefully and i would assume not that i don't think they've really had anybody pass away but they've they've tended to manage these like shifting storylines and stuff well so uh yeah it'd be weird if they did if they did cgi in the comics it is you know it's a position that is passed down Mm -hmm. through families and Shuri in the comics does become Black Panther. Yeah. Um, so I feel yeah. like that's the wisest, the wisest way to go is to have her take up the mantle. But again, what a great actress too. Yeah. Oh she's fantastic. Gosh, she's so and, and I agree. I agree that they should have Black Panther pass. Uh, you know, he should pass away. And, and I, I feel like the smartest thing to do is just have, you know, Shuri struggling to kind of, you know, take after her brother. I think that's a beautiful yeah. story. And I yeah. think that would, that would be something yeah. that the, the fans would, uh, would respectfully watch, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think inserting grief within the next movie is a reasonable thing, especially considering how much this character meant to so many people to, you know, allow that to be shown in the next movie so that people can have that, connection and that relief and share in that grief yeah. i think would be important yeah i agree um well let's let's talk a little bit more about marvel but this is a little less heavy so uh <laughs> yeah yeah it's hard it's a hard thing to to, to segue into but uh there there's I, my, I guess this is more of a question so sony owns the rights to the spider-man characters um, and they're apparently making a silk television series, which is, uh, you know, which is a character that was only, I think, created maybe 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. And she is a character, um, a Korean American character who was bitten by the same radioactive spider as Peter Parker on the same day. Uh, and she develops power similar to his and becomes a, a vigilante crime fighter, just like Peter Parker, but um, sort of more in the shadows. The interesting thing about Silk coming to TV is I don't know where it would go to. Where does a Sony, <laughs> where does a Sony-owned MCU show go? Uh, I mean, probably. So Sony has multiple platforms that they could put it on. I doubt it'll go to any of those. It's likely they would strike a deal with Hulu and put it there. You think Hulu? You think it's Hulu? Because I'm like, it's not going to be Netflix. I don't think Netflix no. and Marvel are playing ball anymore. And it would well, <laughs> because there are still there are still Disney. So Marvel and Disney, I think, still have some weird version of say in the Spider-Man universe of these movies and shows that get made. There's some weird partnership still going on there. Um, Mm. But I think that likely if they were to try to put it out, I mean, it'd be weird on Netflix. It would be such a state like odd standalone thing on Mm. Netflix. But Disney, so Disney shoves everything that doesn't make sense on Disney Plus onto Hulu. That's like, that's how Hulu works now. <laughs> Hulu's <laughs> become the, anything that might be too like adult or, yeah. or like weird or just doesn't fit perfectly in their little Disney universe, they just shove into Hulu. Yeah. And uh, my gut would say that that's probably the best distributed, most likely place for it to go. Now, there are plenty of other 
OTT companies out there that would probably kill to have something exclusive like a like a Spider-Man show. There's like you know Fubo TV and whatever other you know bizarro like cable riffs that exist. So mm-hmm. it could end up anywhere. But if I had to wild guess. It's either going to be on Crackle, the place that we've all forgotten exists, but Sony <laughs> <Yeah>. owns, <laughs> Crackle. or uh, they also own Funimation, which is their anime oh, yeah. place. But I don't think it would end up there because I think that's strictly anime. And then they, and then I think they would just make a third-party deal with Hulu. That would, would be my wild guess. I mean, that's, that's like the only place that it really could go. I mean, unless they worked out something with Disney Plus. Uh, I just I like there's know. no way that. Disney Plus is going to put a non-Disney Plus owned right. property into Disney Plus. Like mm. the only way that happens is if Disney gets ex- like extreme say over what happens in that Spider-Man show, and I just don't see that happening. Probably. Yeah. So interesting stuff. Well, anyway, I'm yeah. excited to see it. It's yeah. going to be cool. I mean, there's a obviously- lot of like Spider-Man stories coming our way now. Sony is kind of like all in on this Spider-Verse idea. There's going to be another into the Spider-Verse. There's yeah. There's the uh, Olivia Wilde Spider, either Spider Girl or Spider Gwen or Spider Woman movie coming out. There's this Silk show coming. There's another Venom, you know, whether we love it or not, coming out. There's Craven. Uh, There's a lot of, and then there's the MCU Spider Man as well, still happening. So there's a ton of Spider Man stuff coming. Why do you Why do you think we're us as us as fans are so chill with having so many different types of like Spider blank? But, like, it's so hard to incorporate the other, you know, I'll say it, female versions <laughs> of of other comic book characters. Like, when they enter the world, we're like, let's put them on the CW. Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why are we so cool with Spider-Gwen being, like, all yeah. over the place? But like, I mean, I'm all, I'm all for it. But it's yeah. just, like, we're going all in on this one you know, area of comics rather than like allowing it to blossom everywhere. (laughs) I think that like, it's probably not fan driven. I think it's probably studio driven in the Mm. sense that, you know, they, the betting, the betting game that is running a studio doesn't think that the bet still doesn't think that the bet is a female driven thing, you know, whatever it might be, whatever superhero you want to throw at it. Like I will say we are getting a, um, I almost said Miss Marvel, but um, Scarlet Witch. We're we're getting a Scarlet Witch show. We're getting mm-hmm. a She-Hulk show. We're getting some female-driven properties on Disney Plus from Marvel. But I think at large, I just feel like it's just still that dumb notion where they're like, "Oh, we can't bet on a it won't make money like yeah. a lead like a woman's gonna lead this," you know? And you're like, "Yeah," <laughs> or like a teenage girl, <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah." <laughs> Although, like CW does do it, and it's weird. It's weird to feel like that's the like. Well, the only way it works is if it's like a teenage drama, you know? Yeah. Like the only way it works is if it lives in the Arrowverse on the on the teenage like CW drama yeah. wheel of of shows. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I, that's I've my also guess. been surprised at people who I would think would be not interested in watching something on the CW. Yeah. Just like, oh, I love it. You know, like it's the only place I can get that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, okay. I will, that surprises me. That's great. You know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the only thing that can happen is that, you know, uh, that the Black Widow has to come out and make a bazillion dollars. Like these movies just have to come out and make oh. money. <laughs> oh, right now. But right now, like, yeah, yeah. like I don't know, you know, but also I feel like you could point at whether this is the greatest woman led program in the world, but you could point at like Westworld and be like, 
mm. hello, you know, or like there's there's stuff that exists that is like very led by women, but I don't I don't know. I, it just feels very outdated. It feels like they're that their bet is still like, well, it just won't sell. Sorry, yeah. you know, and you're like, well, it seems like it will. Everybody would like it. <laughs> I think there's I, a I, lot yeah. of very old white dudes that yes. are still in power at a lot of these places that um need to not be. <laughs> I think I think that things like like, you know, whether although it's not it's a different category, but I think things like into the Spider-Verse and you know, Black Panther even, like, I think that stuff pushes stuff forward. So, you know, the hope is that the more diverse we get the MCU to be, that the more stories we can start hearing about all the random characters that exist inside of the Marvel Universe, because to its pluses and negatives, the Marvel Universe does have a relatively diverse cast, the comic book universe, you know? So it's like, it's there. It, it just seems like somebody needs to be willing to take the bet and do it and then have it work out and then be like, oh, we should do more of these and then keep doing more of these, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I've know. been really excited by seeing more non white yeah. versions of, you know, quote unquote traditional superheroes and yeah. also women. So that's, it's there. It's just, you know, slowly, yeah. slowly growing. Although Captain Marvel did really well, didn't it? How much did that make? Yeah. I mean, it was made like a billion almost. Yeah. So, like, who fucking knows? I, yeah. I don't know. What the, <laughs> like, I don't know what the hang-up is. Yeah. It seems is it like it'll be fine. Sales or people not buying our dolls? Yeah. <sighs> who knows? Yes. Who knows? It's really yeah. annoying. It's it's very, it's annoying. Like, even as like a, a cis white, you know, forty-year-old dude, to continue to get the same story and over over and over again is not exciting either. Like, I don't need. Right. Like, I'm happy there's another. This is going to be very. <laughs> hopefully, nobody on the internet cares. I'm happy they're making another Batman, but also I could give a fuck that there's another Batman movie coming out. Sure. Like it's it's going to be the fifth time we've learned that his parents died. We're it's going to be the 90th time that like fucking Joker shows up at the end or something. Like I just don't care anymore. It's great, wonderful that we're still getting Batman stories, but like yeah. there are so many other characters in that universe, even in just the Bat universe. Like even in just if you focus down only on Batman, there are yeah. a thousand characters inside of that universe yeah. and we're like getting none of their stories. We just That's yeah. why that Gotham Knights game stories. is so refreshing to me. I'm yeah. like, wait, I get to play as Batgirl and like Nightwing? I'm like, hell yeah. yes. Hell yes. Yeah. I really I did yeah. though, I will say I went back and watched the nineteen eighty nine Batman recently and I think the reason that movie is so enjoyable is that it's barely a Batman story. It is essentially the Joker's origin story. Mm. and i know that if you haven't watched it in a while then i encourage you to go back and watch it because batman is just there all of a sudden he's like literally (laughs) there and he's hanging out and then you watch the full arc of the joker happen and like end and like batman's just existing in that world the whole time development yeah yeah like he doesn't change from the beginning to he's just literally the character that like is there to plot against joker essentially (laughs) which is a weird way to put it but this comment may not be for your audience but it feels like it feels like the more expensive (laughs) it feels like the more expensive version of what theaters do when they do the same shakespearean plays over and over and over and they're like but now it's set in the 70s and they're all hippies Mm -hmm. we're innovating on it's like it's the same shit though yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's like you just want that new you want those new stories you want those new characters the reason into the spider-verse did so insanely well is that it's such a well-done story about like an interesting character and it brought in a diverse set of other characters you know and like you you got to see all this like 
crazy Spider-Verse world. And I think for a lot of people who didn't read a lot of Spider-Man, that was probably their introduction to like this insane universe that Spider-Man lives in where there's a spider pig and there's, you know, Gwen, <laughs> like there, there's all these like different spider people running around and you're like, it, it must have just probably like blown little kids' minds to see all these different characters yeah. as a superhero. And yeah, and it's just to me, I'm like, why can't we do more of that? And I know that movie only got made because it was animated. And that's the sad part about that movie. <laughs> and the granted, the animation on it, oh, fucking so good. mind-blowingly so good. good. But it's crazy. But yeah, I don't know. And anyway, Silk coming to TV. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, uh, I, I think that like hopefully we get more of that. I don't know. Yeah. I hope I hope yeah. we get more. It's it's def- deep inside of me. I hope we get more. I think we will. I think we will. Uh, let's talk Nintendo for a minute before our break. So what do you guys want to talk sure. about here? I barely just, saw this. Today, did you see so. any of this? So they just weirdly yeah. announced today that they are releasing all of their old games, <laughs> like, but in a very weird Disney Vault uh, like way, which is why I wrote Nintendo Vault. So they're releasing a 35th anniversary of Game and Watch with Super Mario Brothers on it. And it's a color version, it's gold, and it looks old school, and it's very much their old school thing that they're building now where they build their old retro consoles. Um, but it's got a full LCD on it. It's bonkers. Everybody should look it up. It looks insane that they're putting it out. Um, but th- so they're doing a new upgraded version of this game and watch for 50 bucks with, with the original Super Mario Brothers on it. It's going to be impossible to get. It will be impossible to get. The crazier <laughs> thing to me that they announced, which I'm actually a little excited about. So the Switch is my first Nintendo since, uh, I never really had the consoles. I had the portables all the time. So I had all the Game Boys, but I never had consoles. They just went back and announced that they're putting out what they're... I'm going to... Let me see if I see the name. They're calling it uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. And it's going to be available on the 17th, I think, physically and possibly digitally as well. Uh, And it has um, Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy in it, which is the, like, I think GameCube, Wii, and... What did Galaxy come out on? Was that Wii or was that Wii U? I think uh, Wii U. So so it's the 64... Oh, no, it's the 64 GameCube and Wii version of, of Super Mario is what they're doing combined. But the funny thing is, is they're putting it out on the 18th and they're doing a, quote, limited production that will run out on March 31st of 2021 is their expected run out date. So Whoa. you will only be able to buy this for some limited amount of time. And then they are taking it, they're pulling it from the vault so that you can't get it. any. they're putting it back in the vault rather. Oh my God. So you can't get it anymore. This sells uh, so many copies. Yes. And <laughs> and then they're also releasing super Mario all-stars, which I think existed before, but it's the original super Mario's uh, super Mario's the lost level, super Mario two and super Mario three. I think that comes if with you, if you have the, switch online or whatever like you can play with the their year pass or whatever but so the 3d all-stars i the only reason i brought it up is that those are game three games i've never gotten to play i watched scott play them they all look super enjoyable mario is one of my favorite like they might they just make such polished fun mario games and all of the 3d ones always seem pretty fun so I thought that was cool, but I also thought it was funny that they're doing a Disney vault thing where they're cutting it off. Yeah. <laughs> Marketing genius. And they can oh, unvault that shit whenever they want. Nintendo, oh, yeah. by the way, if you haven't been watching, is like raking cash in right now. They are making oh, so much money. It's unbelievable. They released some number that there's like one in five people in the world has a Switch or something. Like it was some bonkers. It's not that crazy, but it was some bonkers number where like, 
essentially like you couldn't walk out in the street and not see another person who has a switch <laughs> like they've that's sold nice. that many it's units wild. at this point uh but I, anyways yeah. i thought these things were cool so yeah. i saw a commercial i don't watch like tv with commercials very often but there's I think I was at my parents' house maybe and I saw a commercial and it was for the Switch and it was, you know, capitalizing off Animal Crossing where it's yeah. a mom who like sees her daughter off to school and is in like the kitchen and then she's just like, she puts her coffee down. She has like a little like sneaky little smile and then she like pulls out her switch and starts playing and then it like clock swipes to like nighttime <laughs> and her daughter comes <laughs> home and the mom's still on the couch playing her switch and the daughter comes over she's like oh, i'll go grab mine and then she Aww. grabs her and they sit down Aww. on the couch and i was like there's commercials for this like marketing to i don't even know who right now and it's, I know. it's wild so it wasn't one in five it's it's about one in a hundred people have a switch. Still, They've still sold. Okay, it's very different. But They've also sold sixty-five million switches so far. Uh, oh man! Yeah, I mean, just insane. They're just they're just raking money in. But um, but yeah, all the switch stuff is crazy. They also people are doing like who is it? Uh, Gary Witt is doing the Animal Crossing talk show yeah Animal now. talking Animal talking yeah and then Sylvan Esso like one of my favorite bands just put a Animal Crossing video out. Like they did, they made they did an entire video? video in Animal Crossing and released it to the world. Oh, like, I love that. That's it is great. a phenomenon. I haven't been to my island in like a month. I haven't either. I'm sure they're all yeah, very know, mad at me. They're, they're all, all super pissed. Overgrown. That's and, like that's yeah. why I don't go back. Is the shame. Like I, I didn't talk to <laughs> one of them for like a week once. They're like, "Oh, you're still talking to me." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> God, it's just like real life." <laughs> um, Are let's we take, still friends? I know, right? <laughs> and we're let's not. take a that's quick break. Uh, listen to some more music and come back and do some reviews. do some reviews you guys want to start with some spoiler filled bill and ted oh I do it yay so what do you guys think first impressions i want aaron to review it first because she always <laughs> gives great reviews and i always feel like a complete asshole after i ramble for five minutes oh. and then she's like well here's my well thought out review of this movie so aaron, <laughs> i don't know if i have that for this though well because I now you're forced into it <laughs> Well, Better be good. I'm not going to say that it doesn't deserve a well thought out review, but I don't think it's a movie that you need to go too deep into. Like I enjoyed the movie. I mm -hmm. thoroughly had a, I was entertained. Yes. There were a lot of uncomfortable things about it. Some cringy things about it. Keanu Reeves <laughs> can't quite get there nowadays. You know, he's not, he's not that guy anymore. Oh, um, there. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. He's John Wick now. Yeah. yeah. No one no one's going to listen to that song and think yes this should unite the world. This track is gold. But I, there were so many jokes that just like destroyed me 
And just the pure nostalgia, I thought, you know, the quote unquote fan service was perfectly balanced and I had a great time. Yeah. That's my review. <laughs> I, uh, I I agree wholeheartedly. I think that my one line review that I thought of um, before I came on the show was, and this is, this is a glowing review for me. I, I promise it's not going to sound like it, but I promise this means I love it. It is one of the worst written movies that's ever made me almost cry by the end of it from like joy. <laughs> it's got a lot of like just weird 80s Bill and Ted pacing to it that you're like, wow, movies have changed quite a bit <laughs> in 25 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, as bad as that song might have been at the end, um, I, like I literally almost cried. It was there was something weirdly pandemic driven, probably, mm-hmm. where yeah. I just haven't been around a lot of people and been happy <laughs> recently, and like just seeing, you know, even two hundred actors and, and extras on set, fake jamming on a guitar and like playing to a song and laughing and hugging and enjoying each other, and I was like, oh god, I miss this probably more than I want to admit to myself right now. <laughs> But I did think the movie itself, um, I thought it was really good. I think you mentioned this last time, Ash, and and I agree wholeheartedly after watching it. I think the daughters didn't get enough of a storyline, really. Um, I thought they were really funny and very, I mean, maybe a little too on the nose with their with their Bill and Ted impressions that they were doing. Oh, man. But, I, I loved Keanu's daughter so yeah. much. And she, mm-hmm. Yes, it was very much a direct, you yeah. know. Yeah, she was Billy. doing... Yeah, it was so good though. I yeah. I loved her. Yeah, it was it was really good. Um, and I think that I think that they did very well. It just it just didn't feel like super. I mean, granted, it's a Bill and Ted story. I wasn't expecting to go and watching. Uh, is it Billy and Teddy? Right? Is that their daughters' names? Or Billy and Thea? Thea, or... Thea yeah. Um, so I thought they were they were really great. I could have had a little bit more there. It also though, there's something deep inside of me that i really love when a movie's an hour and 20 minutes and doesn't try to be a fucking (laughs) two and a half hour block of my life that i don't care to give to a a film you know Mm -hmm. um so i thought it was really good i i i I will hold back on we can get into more spoilery things about about my clear favorite part of the entire movie that doesn't come until almost the very end but Mm. uh but yeah i thought the movie was super enjoyable i i didn't get a screener copy you know, so uh, I spent twenty dollars on this movie, and I would yeah. actually say fully worth it. Yeah, uh, super so. fun, so so enjoyable, such a good ending to, you know, a series that that holds such a weirdly specific place in my heart. You know, watching it growing up and stuff. So, so I thought it was great. I, I truly, I truly did love it. Yeah, I saw it at the drive-in, and I felt like this was a. It was. A oh, great that's awesome! Choice. Uh, that's, that's such awesome. a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm jealous. I'm very jealous. Yeah, I mean, I think if I were now that we're getting into a little bit more spoiler territory, if I were to, uh, I'll start off by saying I loved it. I had fun. I just remember I, I smiled throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. Probably, I mean, half of it was because I couldn't believe that I was actually seeing it. Like it felt yeah. like I was kind of watching like a fever dream. Where like, is this really a Bill and Ted movie? Like 25 years later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think my only nitpick is that you know the first film. It was a short film, but it it magically did so much with all of the supporting characters, from Billy mm. the Kid to Joan of Arc to Socrates. 
Uh, they all had these wonderful Napoleon, all these little wonderful moments that were so well written and so funny and so iconic. Um, and I don't feel like that they, you know, they bring back a bunch of musicians in this film and I don't feel like they really had those moments that were as funny or as poignant or as well done. Uh, and I feel like also the first film had a lot of these these set pieces in, in really cool locations that just felt mm. big, like the scene in the mall where they're yeah. all getting into trouble in the mall and the ending scene. I know there's like a, a million people at the end of this movie, but yeah. it didn't feel as big to me as the auditorium, the high school auditorium for some reason. Yeah. Maybe because that was like an actual practical location and there's like a lot of green yes. screen in this there's movie. There's a lot of green screen. Yeah. So much. Yeah. yeah. So much green screen. Um, That was really my only major qualm that, and I, I, I really think that um, Bridget Lundy Payne, who's Keanu's daughter in this, and then uh, Samara Weaving, they're great actors, really, really great actors. And I feel like sometimes their impressions did a disservice to the characters that they would have been themselves as the daughters of Bill and Ted. There's I would have liked a... to have seen, like, who are their daughters really? You know, because I feel like that, that, that would be more interesting than, like, this is girl Bill and girl Ted, you know? There's such a... Um... This is a side note just so that you guys have it, but I was looking up stuff about them today before the show and Bridget Lundy Payne, I think goes by they, them just a heads up. If oh, you that's right. like to yeah, you're right. gender them yes, correctly. Thank uh, um, there's such a, uh, there's, there's a piece of me though that wonders if Bridget Lundy Payne playing Billy wasn't actively choosing that though, as an actor through the whole thing, like that impression that they're doing of, of of bill and of, of bill right oh my god i'm blanking i'm reversing the names in my head of who's who now uh is is so like on the nose that I, it just doesn't feel like it was forced on them i feel like they were choosing what they were doing there maybe i'm wrong who knows uh but the i do think i think the problem with the story that you're talking about and and the amount of or the lack of moments you get with all the side characters whether it's whether it's the musicians they go back in time and get really the only one you get a lot of time with is kid cuddy and i think kid cuddy's brilliant in it. i think he's very funny um but it's i think there's just too much going on and i think they spend the first half an hour of an hour and 20 minute movie getting to the movie like there's there's a lot of build-up in this movie which is why i feel like i was watching it in the first half an hour i was like oh it's good like it's enjoyable it's bill and ted you know and like even seeing the orion pictures thing happen was like it just felt like nostalgia immediately but Mm -hmm. but like you watch it and you're like oh it's bill and ted this is fun but then once it really kicks in gear like once the daughters start time traveling once bill and ted are time looping essentially through their characters and like once all the stuff starts happening is when i feel like the movie actually kicks in but at that point they're trying to manage like there's the storyline about bill and ted and their wives there's the storyline about bill and ted trying to get the song there's the storyline about the daughters trying to help their dads there's a storyline about the future like there is like four or five storylines they're trying to like balance through this thing and it's just too much for an hour and 20 minute movie and the first bill and ted is pretty simple in its plot which is two stoners or not stoners apparently but two californian dudes are gonna go back in time so that they can fix their their grade at school and get in pass right and whatever be able to hang out together over the summer is that the end of the plot 
Yeah, they don't. He yeah. doesn't want to go to Oates Military Academy. Yeah, doesn't want to go to Oates Military. Because that's most most non triumphant. So, so like I just think that was such a focused story versus this being a little in in essence trying to to cover the ground of being the third movie in a trilogy, but really not having any more time to do it is I think a tall ask for anything, and I think this one just suffers from that a little bit. Yeah, yeah I can. See I that. have I have to say I would have been fine if the wives were never even there. <laughs> <laughs> they contributed negative yeah. to this story. Like to the point where I was just like the therapy thing was so unnecessary because I am of the of, of the thinking that if you're going to put your characters in therapy and then resolve it with them being like we don't need to go back because my yeah. husband said he loves me. It's just like, that's not fucking therapy. Like, that's just like, <laughs> you're going to need to go back to therapy. This is not done. So I wish that like, and I feel like that wasn't even their main motivation for doing no. what they were doing. You know, they yeah. had bigger fish to fry really. So it felt so just like, and like, why are the, why are the wives traveling around? Why did that have to happen? Yeah. Well, I still so don't know why the wives stole. There's the time payoff machine. to that though. Yeah. The, there's payoff to that, which is that Bill and Ted get stuck and have to go back to have to die essentially to go save their daughters because the Mm. wives take the time machine they were intended to take. So like there was payoff to it, but it was so not poorly, I guess poorly executed. I don't even know what was wrong with it. It just happened so fast. And then they, (laughs) they did their like, Oh, I don't get it. I'm Bill and Ted and we don't understand what's happening around us. And it just like moved on immediately. Cause like immediately the guy who's going to kill them shows up, which we're going to talk about in a second. The guy who's (laughs) going to kill them shows up and like, uh, and they, it like all of it just happens. And you're like that, that whole wives story, that was the payoff to the wives story was them stealing the time machine in the future to go back, I guess, to tell their wives that they ultimately <laughs> do want to be with them. It was very weird and, and cluttered at that point, but yeah. yeah. But like that was the payoff, and it, there was just no payoff. It just happened, and you were like, okay, and they moved on immediately. But yeah, we really have to talk about Dennis Caleb McCoy. <laughs> oh, I love him so much. Who do you guys watch, Barry? Yes, Anthony Kerrigan. It's Anthony Kerrigan plays a character called Noho Hank in Barry, and he is singularly the greatest character in that show. Yeah, to the point where. I didn't know he was from Boston and American until I looked him up today and was like, holy shit, he's not Eastern European. Uh, he plays this character named Noho Hank and Barry, and it's the most batshit crazy character I've ever seen in my life. And he plays it so well and so perfectly that I can't imagine him being anyone else. So thankfully, he's like covered in this robot armor and makeup. And I didn't even realize it was him at first. Me neither, yeah. And I was like, every line, when he starts talking, every line he says is the greatest joke okay. written in the Thank movie. Thank you, because I was dying on the couch yes. with everything he um, said. And my wife yeah. was looking at me like there was something wrong with me. I'm like, he is the funniest robot oh. I've ever seen in my I mean, life. Like, <laughs> like, I want to spin that off. Bit at the, that bit at the end where he's walking up to everybody and trying to explain who he is and that he's sorry and that he feels like he needs to help is like pure NoHo Hank. Like, it, like NoHo Hank was coming out of him in that moment, but as a robot from the future sent to kill people in the past. Like, okay. It was so, like, everything yeah. he did, I, oh, God, I will go on about him for literally the rest of yeah. the podcast if you want well, me to, because oh, it was re- such a perfect thing. Good, yeah, good. the reveal beat of him not being, you know, a Terminator. Yeah. Yes. Of that first, just like, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kills the dad. So, he kills the dad. Yeah. 
and you're just immediately just like what just happened like, you just broke what i thought you were and all i want is to see you again it's like, the it gr- so good. all i can compare it to is like i do a i do a shit ton of improv and the, the greatest moments in improv are when somebody breaks the thing that you've already built around them as a character but doesn't do it in a in a oops haha tee does it in a way that like alters the character's path like entirely mm-hmm. and then they're all of a sudden a brand new character they've opened some brand new path up to the character they were and like that was what happened in that moment and it was so so perfectly executed and so like his like like he did i don't even know if he had a line there i think he just reacted and was like Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, it was like the the pulling at the collar kind of feeling of just like, Ugh. yeah. And yeah. then and then the reveal at the end of him walking up to them and apologizing to everybody and like being like following death around to see if he could like add to the band in some way because he feels so bad about everything that's happened and you're like oh my god this is so brilliant he was super Uh, super funny and then getting back with kirsten shawl because his character was (laughs) named after kirsten shawl's ex like there were so many subtle jokes around dennis caleb mccoy and so many big jokes and every single one of them landed and every single one of them was like either executed by kirsten shawl or uh, anthony kerrigan and both times just like like I was dying, I was dying laughing through his whole bit, and I will watch an entire Dennis Caleb McCoy movie if oh, I yeah. can. Oh yeah, absolutely! It was so freaking good. It was insane. Yeah, yeah. I do have to give a, a, a shout out to Alex Winter, who doesn't really act anymore, but he was so good. Yeah, as as Bill again. Um, I I feel like he like like you said. I feel like I think feel like Keanu had a harder time like reconnecting with that character probably because he's played <laughs> six thousand characters. Yeah, he's been then. a lot since. Yeah. Uh, and but I think he's, I, worked, he's worked really hard to shed that. Yes, right. Just, yeah, yeah, earlier yeah. in his career, he he tried really hard to not be that guy anymore, and I think right. that's probably hard to reconnect with. Yeah, but Alex Winter was perfect. He did. He was fantastic. Oh, so Same facial yeah. expressions and everything it was good. And like believable coming from a man his age. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it didn't feel like he was trying to be his young self. It felt like, yeah, this is what that kid would have grown up into. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It was yeah. great to see. So I'm glad you guys liked it. I'm really glad you guys liked Dennis Caleb McCoy. I was nervous. <laughs> oh my God. I was nervous that like I was the only yeah. one that was going to find his 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 no. hilarious. So if you if honestly, I know this sounds like a weird pitch because it's not the same character at all. But if you enjoyed him in Bill and Ted. You should, I mean, you should watch Barry regardless. Barry is it's so good. a very tense but great show. It's probably like the bleakest of humor, but it is just done very well. Uh, but his character, Noho Hank, is like, I just can't put enough words around how great that character is and how much I love him. And the things he says... Uh, and he's, it's like, it's, he's got that same sort of energy where he's just dying for Barry to love him. But when you understand who his character is in the show and why that can't happen, like, like why that's such a juxtaposition of him wanting Barry to love him so much and who he is just plays so well for a very long time in the show. And I highly recommend it. If you if you like Dennis Caleb McCoy, you should you should try out. Barry. I agree. Awesome. Yes. Also, as an actor living in L.A., I can I, I can't attest to the assassin half of that show, but <laughs> the, the actor in LA the acting part <laughs> real. It is real and often painful, but very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some games. Sure. This is a game that Aaron's in called wasteland three <laughs> uh okay so I, I i haven't ever i i've never played a wasteland game before 
Now, I recently learned that Wasteland has been around a very long time. I think the first Wasteland game came out in 1987. Uh, so it wow. has been a long time coming. So uh, Wasteland is actually the inspiration for Fallout. And the two have sort of lovingly embraced each other over the years. So um, a lot of the Fallout lore and history is uh, is taken from the old Wasteland games. A lot of the ideas like mutants and power armor and all the things we've grown to love uh, from Fallout have kind of been taken from the Wasteland series. So Wasteland is actually the OG uh, to the Fallout series, which was really interesting for me to learn because I did not know that. Um, that being said, Wasteland, unlike Fallout, is a, a turn-based um, strategy game, which is my bread and butter. I would, I would venture to say almost my favorite genre of games these days is turn-based strategy. Um, in this game, you play as a ranger, which is like an elite uh, soldier that is tasked with trying to get food supply for the rest of your rangers. So you head out to Colorado to make a deal with like a, a Negan type character who's in control of Colorado. He's like the governor of Colorado. And uh, you, you go there to try and broker a deal with him to get food for your people. And of course, once you get there, bad things happen. Um, the combat is, is really a lot of fun. There's like, you know, typical turn-based stuff, not, not dissimilar to that of like XCOM, uh, which, I guess it was 87. They would have been original XCOM would have been released right around the same time, maybe after this. So wasteland probably inspired XCOM, which is crazy to think about. Um, but you know, the things that I liked about the first two or three hours of this game is it has a really wildly robust character creation system where you're creating these, these cool characters with, with perks and traits, just like fallout. And you can make a sniper, you can make a ninja, uh, you can make a, all you know all sorts of head types body types weight uh i built like some crazy hulking like giant guy with a gatling gun that was like just a, a wild character that i came up with that you can easily create in the beginning uh and then everything is everything in this game is voiced i was shocked at the amount of voice work that was put put into this title just in two hours i feel like every single person i talked to had something to say even like little minor npcs on the side uh, they all had something to say, which was cool to see lots of tapes to pick up and, and, you know, things to listen to. And, uh, I actually, you know, something that doesn't happen to me very often, but in the first two hours of the game, I'm not going to spoil too much, but I was genuinely shocked twice. The first time was, I thought that the character from one of the cinematics was going to be my character which was not the case. This was like, I was like, oh, this character is badass. This is who I'm going to be. No, that, that was like a, a little misdirect there, which I really appreciated. And then a little, little bit down the road, they introduce someone who you think is going to be a, a big bad. And they have this nice big bad monologue. And like, a, like midway through the monologue, they explode in a giant fountain of gore. And it's fucking wonderful because I'm like, that was unexpected. And that is just in the, you know, really the first almost tutorial mission of this game um the, there is so much depth and so much to do in wasteland 3 it is a game that i can easily see taking probably 100 hours to complete mm -hmm. if you're the type of person who likes to like collect different you know npcs and characters to bring along on the way and min max and equip the gear i mean there's just it's it's fantastic and so much fun there's great music i think during the very first boss fight some crazy like country western kicked in like in the middle of like a turn-based strategy you know gunfight i was like this is fucking awesome 
So, um, yeah, you know, my very first impressions of this game, just, you know, two or three hours in is uh, resounding, massive thumbs up, super, super fun. Uh, if you're into turn-based strategy, definitely check it out. Uh, I'm playing it on Game Pass, so it's like you can play it on PC on Game Pass or Xbox on Game Pass. Uh, it's also on Steam right now, too. Nice. Now, nice. Glad to hear it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. I wasn't expecting... a good game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not in any bad games. What bad game were you yeah. in? Tell me no, the Don't say that. No, no. You're not required to say what bad game you're in. <laughs> None of them are bad. I'm, I'm being sincere. I'm trying to, to be think. honest. I never know when they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I'm like, oh, I'm bad. And then I'm you know, oh, really yeah. scared. But yeah. you obsess over it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's quickly talk about Teenage Bounty Hunters. Have you guys even seen a trailer for this show no, at all? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Think, is it Netflix? It is Netflix. Okay. Yeah. I think I've it, seen like the first 10 seconds of the autoplay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So it just dropped, I want to say maybe three weeks ago. I'm a little more than halfway through it. Um, are either of you guys fans of like Veronica Mars or? Oh, yeah. Okay. So you'll love this. It's like an R rated Veronica Mars with two sisters that are going to um, a Christian private school and they live a very sheltered life with like very rich, like, uh, like 90, yeah, like, 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 they they are <sighs> i'm trying to find the way to say this uh they live this privileged lifestyle and they are not aware of what reality is like outside of their their christian private school bubble and then their world collides in the world of bounty hunting <laughs> in okay. a very interesting way so they get in a car accident and end up chasing down uh someone who ran into their father's car and they end up crossing paths with a bounty hunter by the name of Bowser, who is uh, play, <laughs> played by Kadeem uh, Hardison, who is, uh, if you guys remember, A Different World, Dwayne yeah. Wayne. Dwayne Wayne. Dwayne Wayne is the, yeah. their, their bounty hunter mentor in this, and he is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the twin sisters, who are supposed to be 16 in the show, are both fantastic actors. The writing is hilarious. It's so well done. It sounds like it's going to be like the, the premise is, you know, two teenagers who go to Catholic private school become bounty hunters. It sounds asinine. And I think it's meant to be a little bit asinine, but it's also very R rated and very, like, I don't want to say it's raunchy, but it's not, it's not like a CW show in any capacity. It's actually produced by the team that did orange is the new black. Mm. Um, uh, a woman by the name of Kathleen Jordan is the writer and uh, and co-producer on it as well. And she's done a lot of great stuff, but honestly, I can't recommend this show enough. Like, I feel like it's kind of flying under the radar. It's getting really good reviews, but obviously no one in my circle is like talking about teenage bounty hunters, but it's, uh, but it's so good. Like the acting is just like, I'm transfixed by every single performance on the show. Like everyone is so good. And um, they do sort of like, it kind of has like a skip, like a skip of the week, like they're skip tracing and trying to get these, these people that have like skip bail. And so they have to like, you know, go on missions, Veronica Mars style to like sneak into like clubs or sneak into places. And they have to use their wits and their moxie to like, you know, take down the perp. Uh, but at the same time, they're like, you know, dealing with all these like teenage problems of like this, this ultra right wing Christian elite society that they live in and like kind of breaking free of that, of that whole like uh you know that whole mess that they're in um 
but yeah, I mean, it's, it's super, super fun. And like, I, I'm actually, I'm hoping that they get a season two cause it's, uh, it's funny. It's, uh, actiony and it's just good. I think that, I think that like Netflix and Hulu, all these big content aggregators need to be like split up <laughs> and we just need like a bunch of shutter and shutter like things where everything's a very specific niche and yeah. it's super cheap. It's like three, $4 a month and you can subscribe to it and you'll get your niche because I feel like they could fill uh, a Veronica Mars niche of shows. There's a plenty of them and you could even veer into a little bit of the supernatural, not, not the show supernatural, well maybe, but like into, into the supernatural realms and stuff and have like just a channel that just gives you all of that. And like, I feel like Ash would be super happy. <laughs> Which is fine. I think this is a good thing because otherwise it's just so weird. These shows get buried on these services to where no one ever sees them because there's like, there's just a million things getting made right now. It's also such a weird time that like I looked up uh, the woman who created the show and this is like her second thing that she's created. Um, And she's probably been in the industry, you know, maybe a decade or something. I don't know. But like, it's just so crazy. This stuff would never have happened 20, 30 years ago. Like there would not be, and was it an hour long? I assume. Yeah, it's an hour long. Yeah, there would not be an hour long, like broadcast TV show <laughs> getting made by somebody who's made one show previous to that. Like this just would never happen. This stuff is like it's so crazy that it's happening at the rate that it's happening now. Yeah. And I just wish it was getting. I wish it was more affordable and better surfaced to the people who would support the living shit out of these shows and probably have it run for you know forever or whatever. So anyways, yeah, that's, I'm, that's, wait, that's cool, but it's good. Like I encourage you guys to check it out. Definitely. Um, I would say, unfortunately the weakest episode so far is the pilot. Cause they're kind of just setting everything up. Uh, that after the pilot, it like it, it, it gets super and the pilot's good, but I think the rest of the episodes are, are even funnier. And uh, just the dynamic between the sisters is just great. They're super funny. My second awesome. hot take will be that if you bail on the pilot, then you're a bad person and mm-hmm. you should give it another chance. <laughs> The only reason you should bail on a pilot is if you watch it and you're like, I hate all of these characters. I don't like any of these actors. The writing is horrible and I don't like the setting. You know, like you have to hate literally everything because all pilots are generally pretty bad. Mm -hmm. And it's not until much later that a show like Community, if you watch Community's pilot, show that I love that the pilot's not that good. It's like, it's fine. It gets you into the show. But it gets so much better a season later than it would on the pilot. Parks and Rec is another one that, like, the first oh, episode is, like, kind of rough. Kinda rough. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And then it became one of the most beloved shows. You know, it's such a wonderful show by the end of it. Mm-hmm. And pilots are just tough. They're so hard. You're trying to, like, build a freaking world for people in a half an hour or an hour and, right. like, keep them enticed. Don't give up on a pilot. You should try the second episode. Best, best pilots, Lost. And De- oh. Deadly Class, my two favorite pilots. Deadly Class was a good pilot, but the show kind of plateaued a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, like. I, I did. I did. I would it also say really Lost was too good because I was very excited about Lost after the pilot <laughs> and then did not stick with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hard to maintain. I hear that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Spiritfarer. Yay. Okay, so background here. I had been... Uh, feeling like I'd been playing a lot of like Overwatch and uh, <laughs> uh, Modern Warfare Warzone, <laughs> which wow. are very, very specific types of games. Um, very, 
Uh, they make, they make you want to hurt yourself after a while. <laughs> yeah, very, it can be very toxic. Yeah. Um, very much kind of feel like I'm, I'm suffering under some like a social circle just in order to play a game I want to play. So I'd been craving kind of an escape. Um, and I first landed on Subnautica, which I love. And mm -hmm. I was playing a, a, a crowdsourced uh, mod that allowed co-op, which was really fun. Oh, wow. Uh, but we ran into some bugs. It's still in development. And so we stopped playing. And I was like, all I wanted to do is play more Subnautica because I love crafting. Um, and I love like beautiful settings that I get to explore. Um, and so someone recommended Spiritfarer which is labeled on the internet as a construction and management simulation, which I think is hilarious. Don't know what that means. Um, it's also a platform game. It's also crafting, um, but it's also really great narrative. So the premise is, and I think I, I'm not done. And so I don't know if I have all the answers here, but you enter um, this world and you're basically replacing someone as the new spirit fairer in a world that is full of spirits. So in my mind, I read that as everyone who exists in this world is already dead, but their spirits are continuing to exist for some reason or another. They have unfulfilled quests that they need to complete. Um, so everyone is kind of like in a, like a masked bag, basically with like, they got little like fire little energy they have essences they have a little energy i need to make a gif of this <laughs> um, you're like damn it <laughs> um and and once you basically like do a quest for one spirit they'll be like okay i'm gonna come on your ship because you have a ship i'm not very good at this um and then they reveal what they really look like in animal form um, and from then on, you have this boat that you're just shepherding these spirits around, completing quests for them until they say, okay, I'm ready. Like, take me to the, take me to the red door, I think they say, or something like that. And that's when you personally see them off. Um, but it's really, in addition to it being crafting, like you have gardens, you get, there's cooking, there's um, a, a smith, there's a, uh, you can have chickens, you can have cows. Um, every spirit you collect, you collect like, it sounds very impersonal. <laughs> every person who comes onto your boat, you build them a specific um, home for them to live in. Um, so it's all very much like every time you take on this new character, they reveal their personal plight to you. And through completing quests, they reveal even more about what their regrets, what their regrets were and, you know, w what they need in order to feel like they're ready. And it's been in addition to just loving the basic mechanics of the game, the traversal and the, the crafting, I've gotten so much out of the narrative dealing with grief and dealing with uncertainty and dealing with fear. It's, it's, it's more so it's not even like in a topical way, you know, given the pandemic, it's more just like, these are the kind of feelings that you, you always have when someone, you know, passes away or something like that, that you just don't speak on these, like these hidden little fears and worries and, it for them and so being able to interact with all these people who are having all these different fears and worries and being able to comfort them like there's a hug mechanic that you can have <laughs> that's cool uh, which is so lovely and it's just it's a really wholesome beautiful lovely easygoing game no one's gonna call you a pussy it's great <laughs> <laughs> they need to put that on the box for a spirit <laughs> No one's going to call you a pussy. Spirit yeah, you have a cat with you the whole time who like helps you out. Can you call the cat a pussy? Oh, you don't answer that. <laughs> you, 
You cannot. <laughs> it's a cat joke. I know. We all know. It's fine. <laughs> I'm a dad. I get to make these jokes now. Oh, Matt sighs. Pain. It's pain. It's just so many years. So many years. Well, that's good. I, I've heard lots of good stuff about this. I remember seeing this at PAX East. Yeah. And and thinking it looked absolutely beautiful. Um and uh, I may have to check it out. I like the idea of just being able to like relax and not blow stuff up. I've been trying to find not yeah. blow stuff up games. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is <laughs> kind of hard to find these days. So <laughs> they are. Yeah. Everything. I would also add the the music and the sound design is so good. It it like lulls me into into peaceful tranquility. It's so great. That's a Canadian game. That's why I'm Canadian. Uh, those Canadian <laughs> every time. With their whimsy and joy. Yeah. I think we made it, guys. I think we made it to the end once again. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening to episode 359 of the Rated NA podcast. Uh, Thanks to Aaron for coming back again and hanging out with us. We always appreciate it. Where can people find you? uh, Oh. And do you have anything to plug? Uh, other than uh, all the things we plugged the, already the things we already plugged <laughs> are really the only ones that i can think of um you can find me on the internets at aaron underscore yvette on instagram and twitter and also aaron yvette.com oh dot nice com. very nice i should get a jingle got that dot com <laughs> yeah, no. you can send us an email at nerds at nerdappropriate.com if you have any questions or anything to say uh send us a tweet at nerdappropriate on twitter and Matt is Matt History on Twitter. It's true. Me too. He's got some tweets going on. And uh, we'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Bye. everybody. Play some rock and roll music. In Candy's room, there are pictures of heroes on the wall. To get to Candy's room, you gotta walk the darkness of Candy's home. Strangers from the city call my baby's number and they bring her toys so when i come knocking she smiles big she knows i want to be candy's boy there's a sadness hidden in that pretty face a sadness all who road from which no man can keep candy safe we can